0: And when folks uh, are dealing with hackers who have uh, gotten hold of some exfiltrated data, or even insider threats where employees have accessed data, which isn't really a cyber issue as much as a a privacy and fraud issue. Um, It it really kind of comes down to several things. First of all, like we talked about, getting your own house in order is really important. And uh, if you're going to do anything uh, new in the world or anything that involves financial information, anything in the regulated industries, healthcare information, so on and so forth, then, you know, you you have to have your own house in order. But also, you know, looking at your partners uh, and looking at and making sure that those that you opt in with um, are also not only maintaining those levels of cybersecurity uh, uh, readiness, but have, have also thought about the, the privacy issues that, that that connect with their businesses and your business. Um, the second area is sort of the, the custody chain of data. So when we're talking about startups, startups get bought, right? And something that's on a server somewhere that was forgotten about uh, still is inside of your organization's risk profile, right? So um, and there's, you know, for the really, you know, large data sets, you have companies that are propping up like Wirewheel that can actually kind of use AI to go and figure out where, you, where your vulnerabilities there might be from a protecting privacy point of view and maintaining regulation point of view uh uh, maintaining step with regulation when we talk about risk quantification how, how can we decide how much to spend on cyber it's not as much of a guessing game anymore it's not just a well let's put lots of walls up anymore there's even there's even uh technologies out there from companies like threat connect around cyber risk quantification where you can actually calculate the cost of a breach and put it in numbers or percentage of your revenue in order to make those decisions um, so why can privacy be a differentiator? Well, because first of all, it, it can be an operational differentiator. Companies slow down when they are dealing with privacy issues and cybersecurity issues. You've got C-level executive focused on other things besides vision and operational uh, uh, success um, or anything aspirational. Um, second of all, you've got all the, uh, the same kinds of risk around uh, regulation and, 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 and those kinds of things that, that we've talked about. But then you've got reputational risk, right? If you're a data security uh, problem, uh, that, that's gonna create changes in your ability to sell in the future, to compete in, in the current marketplace. Your adversaries are gonna come forward and point out those differences. Th- those differences. So those things are, are, still, are still behind the scenes. But then look at a company like Apple. Apple has made privacy a key differentiator, almost made it a luxury product, right? They've been successful because they've been able to take that payload and carry along all that responsibility with you know, really good uh, communications about what their differentiator is, you know, keeping an open, open uh, dialogue around privacy and putting it at the center and kind of challenging their peers to maintain the same levels. You know, privacy as a differentiator can, can extend into a lot of things as we look into organizations that are more service oriented, as we ask for more convenience, um, and convenience becomes more and more table stakes. Privacy is going to be the thing that, that makes me as a consumer, uh, or even as a business to business operator, uh, prefer one brand over the other.
1: Ian, thanks for that and and, uh, this is Louie Lowe jumping back in and I I wanted to kind of thank the panelists for really helping us uh, um, synthesize what I think are the the takeaways here And, and that's that privacy needs to be designed into your product roadmap from the beginning. Uh, And that's what happens at formation stage. And um, here at L2 Council, we've got great lawyers like Catherine that that help companies do that. But on the inside, you've got really great thought leaders like Scott Shipman and and Marcus, who help companies uh, do that from the inside. Uh, and and help lead them. Um, but as you go along the road, and you get to series B and C, and you're into hyper growth and scale mode, and you're thinking about uh, your, your, your customers on a global basis, no longer uh, within the United States, you've got more and more things to think about, like the China data protection initiative and, or sorry, regulation and GDPR, et cetera. Um, and then as you approach exit, you've got to really identify the risks and cabin those risks so that, you know, the public markets or, or a potential buyer uh, doesn't give you a haircut uh, on your price. Um, we've talked about data breaches being something that can, can really derail a business. And, and I know Ian and his team at Levic are real professionals, not only at responding to uh, data breaches, uh, but helping uh, companies uh, find what their differentiators are and and build those into their communications and and marketing teams uh, and messages. And and so I think that that's a really relevant um, takeaway for, for the group on this call. Um, Scott, I'd lo- love for you to provide any other wrap-up thoughts and then I think we should hit the Q&A. It looks like we've got uh, a bunch that you've answered and a bunch that are open. A- and if anybody has questions, I think we've got another uh, seven minutes or so.
2: Yeah, thanks Louie. And, and, and that's, I think, you know, one, of the, one of the wrap-ups, uh, one of the takeaways here is you know, as, a, as, a, as an early seed startup, you don't have people, you don't have cash, you don't have a lot of resources. And that's, that's the perfect time is the formation stage to do just a few simple things for privacy, right? Is, is to document, you know, what, is the, what is the initial product we wanna create and what's the data that we need to do that? And that's gonna inform the notice. And that's where you can work with you know, counsel you know, s- such as yours, Louie, to to help put all that together. And it doesn't need to be a big, massive project. Then as you grow, you know, A, B stages, you've raised some money. Well, you're gonna have people, you're gonna have some computers, which means you probably have someone helping you with IT. That's a great place to rest privacy and security in the short term and have them start to document some of the practices, some of the things that you're doing. And then as you grow and mature, that's when you'd want to dial up a practice and a program with, you know, either your inside legal team or leveraging, you know, more support from an external firm. And, you know, we've got a couple questions here that we've answered. Thank you for people that have been using the Q and A feature. Um, you know, I have uh, a quick question for Catherine, which is, you know, and since we're in the lightning round here, if we can go with some quicker answers, I think that'd be helpful. Um, can't I just copy a competitor's privacy policy and use that? Isn't that good enough?
3: Um, So yeah, I I could definitely speak to this. So I think this is actually what does end up happening and it's not advisable, like a smaller upstart will potentially look to a larger, more established player in the same business as they are um, and kind of copy their privacy policy because it looks very good and well-organized. And this is where, you know, we really run into a situation where you have an aspirational privacy policy Um, And this is, you know, problematic for many reasons, but it really does leave you exposed from a regulatory enforcement standpoint because they're, you know, outside of the, you know, in, in most cases, especially at the very early stage, there's not really a requirement that you meet some aspirational standard unless you're in a regulated space or there's a jurisdiction specific issue. Um, but if you have a privacy policy that, you know, you're saying you're doing something, but you're actually not doing that, that can be the basis for an enforcement action from the FTC for unfair and deceptive trade practices. And that's not, you know, that's not where where you want to be. So I, I would not advise it um, unless, you know, you're doing exactly what that other company is doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so if I can't go copy my competitors, do I grab a template somewhere? What do I do?
3: Um I think for the templates at the very, very early stage, um, especially if you're just a US-based company, you're not in a regular space, it, and ex- especially if you are a SaaS company, there are actually good templates out there for the privacy policy. <laughs> I don't know if that's right to say as a, as a lawyer, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, it could work. I, I mean, I would still have a legal counsel review it, um, just because, just to know, like, you know, is this a quality template? You never know what you're getting. And is it accurate to to what I'm doing, right? Because you the, the accuracy issue persists. And, you know, there could very well be a template out there that is accurate to your business. And I, I will say for SaaS companies specifically, you know, there probably is, but I would still get legal